on September 11, 2001. People, especially those who work in big cities, were sent home early from work. Their bosses worried that they'd be targeted. Many journalists shared that worry, but they weren't able to go home. They headed into work even on their days off. Welcome to Reporting on 9-11, where we hear the emotional, true stories of local journalists who brought us news from the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, two decades ago. I'm your host, David DeRoche. In this episode, we're going to hear from Amy Parmenter. On September 11th, she was looking forward to a day off from her job as a radio reporter at KYW, the all-news radio station in Philadelphia. But that day off didn't last long. I was not scheduled to work that day. I had worked the night before, kind of an overnight shift. I don't remember exactly how late, but it was late. Uh, So much so that the following morning when my phone started to ring around 9.15, I ignored it at first, and then I ignored my cell phone when it rang. And then when my pager went off, I I knew right away that something was wrong because you could tell that someone was just desperately trying to reach me. So that's never a good sign. And the pager was my brother. So I called him back and he just said, turn on the TV. So as soon as I saw what was happening, I just got dressed and went into work, you know, in the news business, especially at that time when there was a story like that, not that there were others like that, but that kind of urgency, you didn't wait to be called in. You just kind of went in because that was your job and you knew you would be needed for something. With the attacks happening north, south, and west of the city, many offices in downtown Philadelphia were shutting down for the day. Amy's assignment was to talk to people who were heading home. They had different experiences in terms of knowing uh, what had happened at that point. Some were kind of urgently trying to get home, and others, you could tell, had just kind of gotten the memo that something had happened in New York and that they were closing the office early. In fact, one of my memories from that day is interviewing a woman on the street and, you know, asking her how she felt about what happened in New York. And after she gave me a few comments, she asked me how old I was, which I thought was somewhat odd question. And I told her how old I was. And she said, because you would be perfect for my grandson, which, which was an incredibly kind of bizarre moment for me, given what I knew was happening in New York. But people's nonchalant attitudes started to change as trains from New York City rolled into Philly. The train would come in on a platform that was actually below ground, below the train station where we were waiting, and the passengers would come up from the platform. They'd be coming up on an escalator. And someone kind of casually said that you'd be able to tell the people who were closest to the towers because they would have ash on their shoes. And I'll just never forget that as the people started to come up from the train from New York, I did not even have to look at their shoes at all, that I could tell who had seen the attack, who had seen the people falling or jumping simply by looking at the ashen color of their faces. The shock was like nothing 
I've ever witnessed before or since. I, I could only liken it to someone who actually had seen a ghost. And the difference between the people who had witnessed something and those who just kind of were farther away from ground zero was night and day. You could just have no problem picking them out and knowing who they were. One woman's experience especially stands out in Amy's mind. It was obvious she spent the entire train ride in shock. I remember speaking to a woman who had been inside the second tower having a breakfast meeting before it got hit. And at some point, whether it was the first tower being hit or her tower being hit, she said that all the chandeliers started to shake and eventually everyone got up and ran out of the room where this meeting was happening and ran outside and that she started to realize the magnitude of what was happening. But she got outside and she called her husband to say that she was okay. And she's recounting the story to me. And only at that moment, six or seven hours later, and a train ride later, does she look down and realize that she's still clinging to the napkin that she had in her hands in her lap when the building got struck and she went running out. She just kind of looked down and said, oh my God, the napkin. This is the napkin. One after another, survivors told Amy their vivid and emotional firsthand accounts of the attacks. Amy says on 9-11, the story really just told itself. You just pretty much put out that microphone and when you would hear from the people who witnessed the attacks or witnessed bodies falling from buildings and people jumping, there was a different sound to their voices. There was a, a shock and disbelief. And even though they had seen it, you could still tell that they had disbelief in their voice. As a reporter, it was just important to kind of get out of the way and, and make sure that the accounts of that day were recorded and could be heard. But there are stories where really you just arrive on scene and just hold out your microphone and people are anxious to talk and to be heard. And that was definitely the experience of 9-11. That's not something that happens often. Reporters seek people out or approach people. But on September 11th, it was really just, there, there was a desperation of the people who witnessed the attacks or who were in New York that day. They were just desperate to kind of tell their stories and, and let the world know what was going on. In the days that followed, the story switched from being about the tragedy to how people were helping. Not all of those experiences were positive. Another story that I remember in the coming days was, of course, there was an outpouring of support and a desperation really across the country, but of course in the Northeast as much as anywhere with people who were desperate to help, desperate to do anything. And I remember outside our studios, we were, our radio station and a TV station worked together to gather donations 
for the victims of the attack and for the families and for folks in New York and just wherever the need was. And I remember that a van of Muslims pulled up with their headdress and they were arriving to donate. And one of them got badly beaten up on the way there. Just this outpouring of anger and hate that here is someone who is every bit as compassionate and giving and with a desire as much as the next person to help and to do his part. And yet the reaction of somebody was to attack this man. And it was really heartbreaking, but people just didn't really know what to do with their anger and their fear. So that was extremely disturbing. 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. By Thursday, Amy was spent. Covering the attacks had taken a toll. After days of repressing her feelings, her emotions flooded out. I worked for three days straight, and it really wasn't until Thursday night when I got home from work that I cried. We had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but you're so busy just doing your job and focusing on getting it right and making sure that you don't miss an important story or an important angle. And at that time, it was important to keep your emotions in check. In the years that followed, Amy's career took her to a TV reporting position in Connecticut and eventually into public relations. Looking back 20 years, her advice to other journalists is to make sure they always keep an eye on their mental health. I also covered Sandy Hook and other stories that were tragic in different ways. And it's really important to remember that you are a person and that even though you keep your emotions in check, you shouldn't deny having emotions around a certain story or a certain experience. And it's really important to keep an eye on your mental health. And that doesn't just mean for the biggest stories or the most tragic stories. You know, as a reporter, you cover tragedies several times a week, if not every day. And that does take its toll. So it's really important that you not become hardened over by it, but that you also not deny it. September 11th just reiterated to me how important it was, the work that I was doing at that time and the stories that needed to be told. Thank you for listening to Reporting on 9-11. This episode was reported, written, edited, and produced by Ben Bogardis, a journalism professor at Quinnipiac University, and hosted by me, David Roche. I am the Director of Community Programming at the University. Special thanks for this episode go out to Amy Parmenter, Quinnipiac University's School of Communications, and the Quinnipiac University podcast studio where this episode was recorded. For more stories from journalists who covered 9-11, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to check out the other shows we produce here at the Quinnipiac University podcast studio by going over to qu.edu slash podcast. <laughs>